0: Thank you for tuning in on our Restoration Life podcast. We're excited for what God is doing here. So we hope you enjoy this message. Church that resembles heaven. Yes? Come on, the most beautiful bouquet on the planet. And uh, man, I'm, I'm excited to be back home. It's good to finally be home. You guys enjoy Pastor John Morgan? He's legit, right? Pastor John Morgan, if you're watching this, we love you. We honor you. Uh, we don't go down that honor slide we keep our honor up and you know every time somebody ministers from our church and I'm away I love to watch it I love to be you know en route back home and I just play you could watch it we have message on demand we have YouTube in fact um, we had this really cool email from Spotify um, come in to us of somebody in Oklahoma you know listening to the messages that are being preached out of Southern California at Restoration Life, and man, you know what, I'll read it next week because I don't have the time to pull it up right now, but man, what a tremendous email. She was just talking about how she's listened to all the messages that she's heard come out of our church. She's been inspired. She went back to serving God. She's on fire for God now, and this is coming out of Oklahoma through our Spotify, right, so our broadcasting is working, and we're honored, and thank you so much for everybody who, who honors God with their tithe and gives above and beyond. Don't forget that we are still in our um, heart for the house, right, that carries on through the rest of the year. Um, We're still seeing God do some amazing things here on campus. Uh, Pray for Torrance, come on. Pray for Torrance campus. Come on, we're supposed to be hearing something back soon, hopefully by by the middle of this week coming up. And uh, also pray, could you keep radiant in prayer? Come on, I just really believe God's gonna do something exponential. You know, all the women of Restoration Life and everybody that's traveling to be a part of this. We have women from all over Southern California that are coming to be a part of this as well. And time's running out, so make sure that you guys are a part of that. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Second Samuel chapter 6. And I'll let you know right now that we're, um, this is going to be a two-part message. So um, I don't know exactly where we're going to end because I only got like 26 minutes um, to share this with you. But I promise we'll end it next Sunday in a radical praise dance together as a church, but um, I want you to look at 2 Samuel chapter 6 with me this morning. If you're looking for a title, I've entitled this sermon, Staying a Little Foolish. Say that with me, Staying a Little Foolish. You know, have you ever done anything foolish and it caused you an extreme amount of embarrassment? Come on, anybody at all? Anything that you're willing to share with me right now? Maybe grab the mic and just share it. How many? <laughs> Come on, it's okay. You're not there anymore. You've moved on from that, right? But um, I remember, if if I could just be honest, I, and I probably shared this with some of you, but I'll I'll share it with those of you that are new. Um, I remember when I first got saved. I was I just turned 19 years old, and um, I had uh, me and my friend were uh, taking out our girlfriends back then i um, out on a date and I, and, I, and I took Roxanne to this really, really cool little French cuisine in, in the corner over here, at Jacques in the Box. And it was really... <laughs> <laughs> on Marine and Hawthorne Boulevard. It was really good. And I remember, I remember us going in there. <laughs> I remember us going in there and, hey, come on, if you can't even buy your girlfriend a Happy Meal, dump them, kick, kick them to the curb, right? <laughs> But I took her there, we hung out, we had, a, I think we were on our way to the church or something, and we stopped there, we got something to eat, and uh, I remember Roxanne ordering, and then I ordered after her, and I wasn't, I guess I wasn't paying attention, and um, when I ordered, I paid for I paid for it. I didn't let her pay for it. $5.25. For that combo and I paid for it and um, I remember going back to the table and she was sitting at the table by her friend and she was laughing and I walked up to the table and I go hey what's so, what's so funny you know and she's like oh you know the girl goes oh the guy at the counter was blowing kisses at Roxanne okay and let me remind you I was just saved like recently saved, like wet behind the ears saved. Like it only took like that much to backslide, saved. And I was raw, like, and I had a jealousy problem back then. Back then I was, a, huh, I was very jealous. I don't know, yeah, I, was, I would say I was. I was very jive. didn't like anybody looking at her, didn't want anybody talking to her. You know, I was engulfed with her. I was consumed by her. I was in love with her. I wanted her to be mine and mine alone. I didn't want anybody to mess with her. And so, of course, when I hear some guy, some idiot is blowing kisses at her, my, my Colombian blood started to boil. And the old cartel in me wanted to rise up a little bit. And I remember going, oh, okay. And then they called the food. I went back to get the food and I saw the guy from across the counter. And so the way it's set up is like you order here and then you go around the corner into the back of the nice restaurant. Uh, There was these nice little tables and sat there. So I went back to go get the food and when I went to go get the food, I reached across, grabbed him by his uniform and pulled him across the counter where he's almost like laying flat on the counter and i said this to him i said if you ever do that again i will kill you no i said if you ever do that again i said i will kick your you know you know what i'm saying right i will beat you down and and then i pushed him and he went flying across the counter and onto the greasy floor i grabbed my food And walked very calmly back to the table (laughs) sat down and began to eat with my new girlfriend then this guy comes out of that place walks up to the table and go sir please what did I do what did I do and I'm like bro don't you better go back to your little cage he goes but please, Seth, please, please. What did I do? I do nothing. And I'm like, bro? And then Roxanne's like, what did you do? <laughs> and at this point, I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying to hold it in. Like, I'm literally trying to hold myself calm because I'm in front of this fine girl sitting next to me. And I didn't want to blow it. But I'm just saved by that much. And I and I and I and, she, and I'm like, he disrespected me and you. He's blowing kisses at you. And she looked at me. She's like, ah. she goes, that's not the guy. <laughs> I said, okay. I am so sorry. I, I'm so sorry. I, that wasn't meant for you. <laughs> I apologized, right? I said I was sorry, and then I said, "So where is he?" Oh. And he said, "After what you did, he locked himself in the office. He's upstairs. He's the manager of the store." I was like, "Okay, I'll be back." <laughs> most embarrassing thing, most foolish thing, I think. I'd ever done you know um, like just recently saved you know I was I was a fool man I was a fool has anybody ever done anything stupid like that or on the no not on not yeah <laughs> liars all of you <laughs> I remember after I got saved and I started serving God we were really into these skits we were doing a lot of these skits right these drama skits and I wish I had the picture But like Roxanne was like the best chola ever. She had the Apache war paint, the hair like up to here, penalty. She was never a gangster, but looked better than all the gangsters that pretended to be a gangster in the drama. And I remember I was like a cholo and and like we were in love. And then I remember another one where I had to play the part of a gay guy, right? I was gay, right? Roxanne was a prostitute in the, in the play. And some, uh, don't ask me how, but they got us to, to work the script out where the gay guy gets saved, the prostitute gets saved, and the end of the story, they both get married, and then they come out, and they go out and plant a church. They become pastors. Now, don't say nothing about the shirt, because I like this shirt. <laughs> has absolutely zero to do with the drama. But I, I feel like I feel like before I got saved, that there were a lot of foolish things that I would do with no inhibition whatsoever. Like I wouldn't mind going out to the, the club and dancing and partying and getting drunk and looking like an idiot. I, I I never minded doing any of that. I didn't, I never minded, you know, going and even when I was younger than that, breakdancing and you know being in circles and battling against other guys, I never minded that. I, I didn't I didn't mind, you know, because that was, you know, before I was a break. I was into BMX and you know trying tricks and falling and eating it real bad and i didn't mind being a fool because i kind of enjoyed it to some degree because i didn't care what anybody thought there was, there was no real inhibition for me in that sense but then when i get saved you know i was pretty radical as a sinner i was pretty radical as a drunkard i was pretty radical as a pothead i was pretty right rad- in fact I, I was just preaching in um in uh uh northern california in an area that actually kicked me out uh, for some of the stuff that me and my cousin pulled off. And I'm coming back to this area, and in this area, there were some of the people in that church that actually remember who I was back then, which is kind of weird. But they're saved, thank God, praising God, worshiping God together. We just started talking about some of these stories, and it just kind of brought me back to, man, I was kind of a fool for the devil. Like, I had no problem doing stupid stuff um, in my sin, why should I ever have a problem doing anything for Jesus? This is kind of where this message was birthed out of. I started thinking about this, and I started thinking about deep down inside, all of us are afraid to look foolish. We're all afraid of doing something that makes us look foolish. In fact, in fact, when I walked out there, actually when I first came to the church today after the first service, um, the zipper on my pants popped. And I was like, oh, that's not good. And so I just took off to go get changed, and I came back, and I was, I was walking back to Breezeway. I think it was Lena said, hey, Pastor, you need, to, you need to throw on one of, was it you that told me, or no, Monica or somebody told me, so you need to represent Radiant, throw on this shirt. And in that moment, I started thinking, but that's a girl shirt. I just finished speaking about being a fool for Jesus. And what am I willing to do for God? In fact, some of the guys are already going, oh, that shirt's cute, Pastor. I'm like, yeah, you should wear one too. But I don't mind being a fool for God because I was pretty foolish for the devil. And I wonder if you remember what you were like before you got saved. I remember if any of you remember what things you would do that you were okay with that today looking back, you would say, man, that was foolish. That was stupid. I think that deep down inside, I think a little bit of foolishness is good in the right context because I think when you think about it all of us are afraid or even freaked out of looking a little foolish trying anything new so for what it's worth the number one poll about fear in the United States is the fear of speaking in front of people the number two is dying so people are afraid of dying but the number one is speaking in front of people. So people would rather almost die than speak in front of somebody else. So I want you to know that I'm risking my life right now talking to you. (laughs) But why is the fear of looking a little foolish keep us back from doing some of the things that I believe maybe God is asking you to do? Why is it? It's the fear of, of looking foolish, I think, that keeps us from raising our hand in high school because we don't want to look like an idiot in front of all of our friends in class. When they say, hey, who knows the answer? And you're like, yep, I'm not gonna answer that. Because even though I think I might be right, I might be wrong. It's the fear of looking foolish that keeps us from asking someone out on a date, right? What if she says no? And I'm gonna look stupid. What, if, in today's date, what if I ask him? And he says no, right? It's a fear of foolishness that keeps us from changing. Maybe some of the way that we dress, maybe some of the way that we comb our hair. But watch this. I think it's the fear of looking foolish that keeps us from praying for a miracle. Because oftentimes God will ask us to do something. Then somebody else's eyes will seem foolish. But in God's eyes, it looks like obedience. Again, in the right context, I think it's healthy to stay a little bit foolish for God in the sense because when I see somebody that's hurting and they need prayer and they're in a wheelchair and they're asking, hey, can you pray for me that I get my legs back and everybody's watching, then the fear of looking foolish would keep you from saying, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. The fear of looking foolish would keep you from praying that kind of prayer, maybe saying something like, God, whatever you want to happen, let it happen right now. So that way the pressure's off of you and it's all on God. But the reality, the pressure's always been on God, it's never been on you. Your job is to be obedient and to pray and speak life over other people. It's God's responsibility to respond with miracle power from heaven. And so it's the fear of looking foolish that actually also keeps us from sharing our faith. What if they don't respond? What if they don't like me? What if they they get into an argument with me? What if they slam the door on my face? What if they never want to talk to me again? Because I look a certain way in front of them. This is one of the points that I want to make this morning because here's the deal. If you aren't willing to look a little foolish to those who don't know any better, you're actually being foolish for the wrong reason when God wants to keep you a little foolish for the right ones. You see, in man's eye, There are a lot of things that we do that's foolishness. But in God's eyes, there are a lot of things that he asks us to do that is obedient, that is faithful, right? Because in their eyes, if somebody who didn't know anything about God were to walk into this church this morning and see all these amazing worshipers along the front of this aisle, lifting their hands, shouting, whistling, screaming, bowing down, crying, lifting their hands, in their eyes, that would seem a little foolish to them. What are they doing, karaoke? I mean, the words are on the screen, right? They're, everybody's singing along, right? For them, this would be a, a type of karaoke to them. They didn't know any better. Because so, so to them, that might look like foolishness. But to us who have been saved, but to us who have been redeemed and restored, but for us who know who we worship and how we should worship, to us, it's everything. It's not foolishness. It's adoration to our God. And if you paid any length of attention to the series Focus, you'll find out that a lot of our focus is on the way that we worship the God that loved us so much that he was willing to give up everything to bring us back into a right relationship to himself. And so when you think about our focus as Christians, our focus as Christians looks like foolishness to the world. In fact, if the world knows that you give a tithe, that you give a love offering that you financially support the vision of this house to expand his kingdom they would say that that's foolishness right but looking back i can remember how much money i spent smoking weed and i can remember how much money i spent buying drugs i can remember how much money i spent and the life that i put on the line to sell them i could remember you know all the money that that i spent you know on beer we had an account at a liquor store where we could walk in, pull out as much beer as we want, sign our name and walk out with absolutely no problem. So I've spent probably tens of thousands of dollars on beer, on alcohol, on liquor, on weed, on cocaine and other things that I'm not proud of. But now I'm not ashamed whatsoever of giving my tithe to the God who saved me. I'm not ashamed of supporting radiant. I'm not ashamed of of supporting missions. I'm not ashamed. You know what? I'm actually saving money, being saved. But to the world I'm a fool. Well, they're investing in things that are gonna perish and burn. I wanna invest in the kingdom. I want to invest in other people's lives because lives are eternal. Everything else is a wash. Think about this for a second. What good is it for you to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Yeah, we have nice things. Yeah, we we have nice things to play with. Yeah, we live in a nice home. Yeah, we drive nice cars. But all that stuff, it doesn't matter to us. That's just a tool. That's all it is. It's a means to an end and we'll enjoy it, but sooner or later, it'll be gone. It won't be ours anymore. It'll belong to somebody else. It may belong to our kids. It may belong to our grandkids, but it won't be ours. But souls, that's eternal. I think that's why the Bible says to lay for yourselves up treasures in heaven where moth and rust doesn't corrupt, destroy or decay it. Don't do that on Earth. And so here again is the deal. You know, here's, you can see this throughout scripture because when you think about the foolishness of the world and you think about the foolishness in the kingdom, it's actually pretty neat the way God talks about this a little bit and I never realized it until I really started processing this message. Because when you think about it, when you were a fool for the devil, there's nothing that you wouldn't do. But now God's calling you to be a fool for Jesus and now you got reservations. My question is why? why why are you on reserve why do you reserve yourself whenever god asks anything of you why is it that we say no to god but we were so easily we were so easy to say yes to the things that gratified our flesh throughout scripture you can read stories in the old and in the new testament of people where they had god moments god moments where god called them to do something or they were inspired to do something that in the world's eyes looked foolish but to God it looked like faithfulness and obedience like for instance like if you were to ask look if you look at Noah Noah probably looked pretty foolish building a massive boat to fill it with his family and animals because there was going to be a storm and the storm was going to be the storm of all storms it was going to wipe out everybody but those that would get this ark nowhere in history do you ever read about noah ever building a boat before nowhere do you ever see him ever studying to build a boat and yet god gave him the dimensions god gave him the width god gave him the length god gave him everything that he needed to do to build that ark and he was to be obedient to it but to everybody else in the world he looked like a psycho to everybody else he looked like like a weirdo like look what's what's wrong with him Did did you check out like the two monkeys hanging out and the two giraffes and the two, did they come from and why are they here? But look at Noah. Why is he working so hard on this? Why is he doing, what about Sarah? Sarah's told Abraham's wife, Sarah's told that she's going to get pregnant at 90 years of age. And could you imagine Sarah going to the store and getting some maternity clothes for herself? And the women are like, Sarah, what are you doing? She said, I'm going to have a baby. Psycho. Sarah's like, no, 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 I'm going to have a baby. And her friends are like, Sarah, the little blue pill hasn't even been invented yet. And you're way beyond, way beyond that age. And Sarah's like, no, I'm going to have a baby. But she's 90 years old, right? The Israelites, when they marched on Jericho in silence, right? When they went around Jericho the first day one time, are you hearing what I'm saying? The people of Jericho are probably going, what are they doing? They look so stupid. Are they trying to attack us? They're just like marching around the wall. Do they even know our walls? Our walls are impenetrable. Nobody can climb these walls. Nobody can scale these walls. That's why we are who we are. Look at how stupid, how foolish that they look. But on the seventh day, they didn't look so foolish anymore. Right? When, when Goliath is out there taunting the children of Israel, come on, send somebody out to fight me. And whoever wins, they will be enslaved by the winner. Right? Whoever loses will be enslaved by the winner. And here's here's Goliath, day in and day out. Here's King Saul hiding in his tent. Here's David's brothers hanging out, waiting for some queso fresco for the tamales. You know, just just, just hanging And then here comes your little David, shepherd boy, right? Coming on with the cheese, right? Getting ready. Here. Here's, here's the cheese. What's going on? Oh, this giant's acting stupid. He's trying to fight one of us. He's so big, he's massive. Nobody can beat him. And they, then he walked little David walks out, and he goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistines that, that would defy the army of the living God? And Goliath kind of stands up. He's like, Do you send, am I a dog that you would send me this treat? He's standing there with a sword that's got many lives of blood on it. He, he's a decorated warrior. And here's little David with the slingshot. Today the birds are going to eat your carcass, buddy. And you can just imagine David's brothers doesn't look good (laughs) little David probably looked really foolish standing up to a giant with a little slingshot Peter's in a perfectly good boat no problems no leaks Jesus is walking on water and Peter looks and says Jesus is that you Jesus like yeah it is me if it's you can I come out and be with you Jesus is like, yeah, Pete, come on. And Peter gets out of a perfectly good boat to walk on water. And you can just imagine the disciples going, "Mm, not a good idea. Maybe maybe some of the other guys, "Watch, watch, 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 watch. This could be so good. He's so stupid. What in the world is he thinking that he can walk on water? He looked like a fool. Looking like a fool with pants on. No, he just looked like a fool. What about Jesus? What about Jesus? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can go see my father except through me. Destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it back up. Come on. If you abide in me and I abide in you, ask my father what you will, and nothing will be impossible for you. You could just... Hear the Pharisees and the Sadducees going, what is he saying? Blasphemy. What foolishness to think that he is a son of almighty God. And so what looks like foolishness to the world is actually obedience in heaven. Listen, this is what faith is. Faith, I think, part of faith, part of faith, I think, is being willing to look foolish for the right reason let me say that again i think part of our faith is empowered by the willingness to look foolish for the right reason i had no problem being foolish for the wrong reasons why do i have such a problem being a fool for the right reasons why do i care so much whatever other people say about me why do i care so much about the critics I know I can outlast my critics because I've outlasted them before and I'll do it again. Why am I putting so much weight, so much worth, so much value on what other people think about me or how they view me instead of putting all the honor and all the value in what God says about me and how He views me? Why do I have such a problem doing things that I'm afraid to do, right? Because. In my heart in my mind i think i'm gonna look like a fool to them but if you shift your focus you're being obedient to god why would i leave a perfectly good ministry back in paramount to go out and start a brand new church to many people that bro that's foolishness you're working 60 hours a week and planning a church you're dumb no i'm trying to be obedient to the god that saved me who delivered me and set me free, I know what it's like to be chained to addiction. But I tell you from a testimony that I can let you know how good my freedom is. And because I'm living in that freedom, there's nothing that he won't ask me to do and I won't do it. And so this is what I'm trying to lay the foundation for as we drive this thing home next week. But I believe that the proof is in the fruit because results will always speak for themselves. Right? Come on. Noah's building a boat. Everybody thought he was a fool. Right? But Noah and his family and the animals were saved. And here we are resetting mankind again. Sarah gave birth to Isaac and the walls of Jericho on the seventh day, the seventh time around, those walls came crumbling down. David, we know, defeated Goliath and carried out his head as a trophy throughout the streets of Jerusalem. Peter got out of the boat and he did walk on water with Jesus. And guess what? When they destroyed Jesus on that one day, on the third day, he got up from the grave and he set all mankind free. Come on. First Corinthians 3.18 says it this way. This is out of the Passion Translation. He says, so why fool yourself and live under an illusion? Listen to this. Make no mistake about it. If anyone thinks he is wise by the world's standards, he will be made wiser by being a fool for God. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Other scripture says, the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And so I think if, if I could just put it in these terms that many of us are living in a delusion that has been projected by somebody else's perspective. And and rather than living in obedience to the Father, we're actually living in somebody else's story. We're actually living in somebody else's position or perspective of what we look like, but they have no idea the why behind our what. And so you might be living in somebody else's illusion and you don't even know about it. You might be living by the way people view you and see you and label you and define you because it's their illusion. And you've been caught up into their illusion of you. I'm challenging you to break out of their illusion from their delusion and break into God's revelation for your life. Because when you stop caring what other people say about you, in this context like i care that that if somebody says oh that's the pastor of restoration life he's wearing a radiant shirt that's girly (laughs) right i care in this sense, that i say well it's not girly i'm supporting and i'll be a fool for god to support the women of our church so to you it looks girly to me it looks like i'm being supportive so who's really the fool you see what i'm saying so somebody else's illusion can cause you to redirect your faithfulness into a place of disobedience. Because you're so afraid of what other people are labeling you as. You're so afraid of the labels that they put on you, on the definitions of you. Who cares what the world says? Uh, Let me remind you that you are not of this world. You're not of this world, so why should you care? What the world says, if you're walking in integrity, if you're doing what God's told you to do, if you're loving God and loving people and you're not this weird psycho, right, but that you're living biblically in honor, then who cares what anybody else says? Who cares what what your mom and your dad say? And that's close because I love my mom. I'm okay with my dad. I, I love him, but I don't really know him anymore right but I don't let them dictate my life I don't let my brothers and my sister dictate my life I don't let my boss dictate my life my job isn't who I am my job is what I do so why should I care what my boss thinks about me in that sense I'm saved I'm a Christian I love God I love people in fact if you, if you look at the fruitfulness of your business, more than likely, I'm your best employee because of who I am in Christ. So you might not like my God, you might not care for my church, you might not care for my brothers and sisters because we're not perfect, but we are being perfected. Right? And if you don't like me, that's okay. You can release me because God will open another door to a better job somewhere else. And watch I'll be a blessing to somebody else when you had the blessing in your hand you let it go you see what I'm saying stop letting the people that are in your life label you and diminish who you are in Christ know who you are I'm a son of God I'm a daughter of God I'm no longer a slave I've been freed by the blood of Jesus come on can I tell you why some of us will never kill a giant Or knock down a wall or walk on water metaphorically it's because we're not looking to look a little foolish in front of other people come on we're not willing to pick up a hammer and build something that we've never built before because we don't want to look lesser than anybody else but my Bible says that I must decrease so that others may increase we're not willing to stand up to giants that are holding swords because we think that there's no power in the slingshot that God has helped us kill a lion and a bear with But I'm here to tell you this morning that God will train you in the secret places of your life to expose you and and compliment what he's done in you and through you so that your promotion is not in the dark but it's in the light for all to see. Because he knows that when he promotes you, you're not going to draw attention to yourself. You're going to bring all the glory back up to God because it wasn't within my power to be set free from addiction. It wasn't in my power to free myself from loneliness. It wasn't in my power to catapult myself out of darkness into his marvelous light. It all came through the blood of Jesus. Christ on the cross of Calvary and I am saved by grace by grace so ask me to be a fool for Jesus and I say come on let's go let's go I don't care what the world thinks I don't care what my friends think I don't even care what a lot of people in our church think all I care about is what God thinks in fact my worship is to the audience of one not to the audience of many The way that I serve is not for all to see, it's for him to see. And if they see me worshiping and they see me giving and they see me loving, then so be it. They can pick up their cross and follow Jesus as I'm pursuing Jesus too. But here's the truth. You got to know right now that God's calling some of you to get a little foolish in your spirit. To get a little foolish in your faith. Not the way the world defines foolishness, but the way that God views it. Remind you a couple things this morning, if I can. 12.50. Ah. Can I just do one point? Can I just, just one, just one. Just one. Two? No, one. We'll close next week. But I do want the worship team to come up, because I want it to sound super spiritual. Here's what I want to remind all of you. So I love our church. I think it's the most dynamic church. I mean, I preach a lot of different places all over the world, and I got to be honest, I love our church. Our church is special to me, not just because I'm the lead pastor, but because I think this church is filled with authentic and genuine people. I think that we're not here trying to fake anything. This is who we are. Love us or leave us, this is who we are. Right? You can love me and stay with me, Or you not love me and you can leave me and I'm good with that too but this is who I am here in church out of church with my family on vacation around the world this is who we are we're not perfect we don't have it all together but we are a house of worshipers that love God that's who we are we're a house of worshipers that we love God and in the middle of all that I want to remind you of something because sometimes we get saved and we stop doing some of the things that we did and we stopped talking the way that we used to talk. And we, start look, we stop looking at things that we used to look at. And we stopped treating people a certain way. We start dressing a little bit different, carrying ourselves a little bit different. All of a sudden, we get a little dignified as Christians. Maybe even a little bit too dignified. A little bit too dignified to where you're walking down the street and you see that, that couple fighting. And you're like, look at them you forget that you were once there too you see that kid that's struggling on dope and you're thinking that's just stupid but you were there once too you see that girl giving herself from relationship to relationship you start thinking man she's so dumb she needs to get right nah, you were there once too you were a little hoochie one time Can I keep it real? (laughs) Man, look at those people. They're just drunk and just... That was us. We did that. Look at them fighting. (laughs) We did that too. God didn't choose the fearless you. He chose the foolish you. Listen to that. He didn't choose you because you had it all together. In fact, part of the reason why He chose you is because you didn't have it together. And without Him, there was no future for you. Without Him, there's no heaven for you. Without Him, there's no freedom for you. Without Him, there's no restoration for your marriage. Without Him, there's no healing from that disease. Without Him, there is nothing to look forward to. And yet, He chose you. 1 Corinthians 1.27, Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says, Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think that they are wise. And He chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. So he uses the foolish to shame the wise and he uses the powerless to shame the powerful in order to let them see that there is a God, that there is a savior, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the grave and that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life because they needed to be able to see it with their own eyes so when God chose that person that was lost in their sin that was living in darkness that was living in addiction that was living in brokenness that was living in the hurtfulness that they've experienced from the time that they were a child he chose them not because they had it all together not because they were wise in their own eyes not because they were foolish but, or not because they were fearless, but because they were in foolishness. Not because they had it all together. Not because you were the cat's meow. Not because everybody looked up to you. But because you were separated by your sin, God said, I'm choosing them. I'm going to save them. I'm going to reconcile them back to myself. I'm going to wash away their sin. I'm going to remove the addiction. I'm going to remove the hurt. I'm going to remove the thing that the enemy tried to destroy in them. I'm going to infuse them with power. I'm going to." to." anoint them I'm gonna give them a purpose and I'm gonna put them back out in display for everybody to see and when they see them when he sees her When they see Him, they're going to say there has to be a God because there's no way a 12-step program got them out of that. There's no way a doctor healed them from that. There's no way a motivational speech helped them get their business and do what God wanted to. Listen, when God sees you, He knew that you wouldn't take the credit for the healing, but you would give all the glory back up to God, back up to Jesus. It's not in my own power, it's not on my own strength, it's by the blood of the lamb that I am saved and serving God today. He shows you in your foolishness. While you were still an enemy. The Bible says you were an enemy of God. He says, I'm gonna love you so much, I'm gonna, I'm gonna convert you into a child of the most High." While you were in your foolishness, Jesus said, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And while you were still a sinner, jacked up and messed up and tore up from the floor up, he said, I'm choosing them, I'm choosing her, I'm choosing this family, I'm choosing this relationship, I'm choosing that kid, that teenager, that college student, I'm choosing this businessman. I'm choosing this widow. I'm choosing this divorcee. I'm going to save them. I'm going to restore them. And I'm going to let my light shine so bright in them that when people ask them, how did this come to be? They're going to say, it was all because of Jesus. It was all because of Jesus. So God didn't choose you when you were fearless. He He chose you when you were foolish. Ephesians 2.5 says, even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, what does it say? It says that he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. I wonder if there's anybody in this place that wants to thank God right now for God choosing you while you were still foolish. I wonder if there's anybody right now in this place that's willing to magnify God with everything that's within them. To stand to their feet, maybe even come to this altar and say, God, I remember the foolishness that you saved me out of. I remember God.